If you look at the top 20 companies today, they didn't exist 20 years ago. There was no Google, there was no Facebook, there, there was most of these companies didn't exist, right? The smarter ones are the ones who will destroy themselves before somebody else comes and destroys, right? Which is what I call unlearning, right? It is the first and the most important task. We all pick up stuff from everywhere, everybody we meet, all our lives we've, we've picked up stuff and we carry it with us and that makes our personality, right? Once in a while you need to do that cleansing. You need to eradicate everything you have and learn new stuff. Or else there's going to be no space for new stuff before because your previous, previous experience, your biases, all of that will come, mm -hmm. right? That people don't do. Yeah. And then they wonder why things are not happening for them, right? Because they're doing the same thing and expecting different results. Hey everyone and welcome back to the show. That was Dashan M the ex-CEO of Deccan Chargers, the IPL cricket team, and also the ex-CEO of the Deccan Chronicle group. We talk about a lot of things in this episode. First, we go into his journey, how he was a college dropout, and how he dabbled his toes in various industries, ranging from media to news media to sports and entertainment and whatnot, and got him to be the well-versed and well-equipped entrepreneur that he is today. Okay, so there are a lot of things that we talk about in this episode, but the main message or the underlying message is that you need to constantly reinvent yourself and keep yourself updated. If you are nimble, success will truly find you. And you know, talking about success, he also mentions that you can't go looking for success, but success will eventually find you if you're truly fulfilled with what you're doing and if you're happy with what you're doing. So the simplest advice is to keep smiling, be happy with what you're doing and if you're not happy with what you're doing then maybe find something that is truly fulfilling and gets you uh, to wake up with the sort of vigor that you need to wake up with. Darshan is probably one of the most experienced people we've had on the show and I guess that's why I truly learned a lot from the episode and I feel that you have a lot to uncover and take away too. Okay so before we get into the episode though, are you enjoying the show so far? Is this something that is motivating you or something that you're looking forward to? then there are a couple of ways that you can support the show and it only takes a few seconds. You can either share the show with your friends or your family members or anyone who you feel would benefit from the show. It could either be someone who is looking for the right sort of inspiration or motivation or just someone you feel could probably look at benefiting any form whatsoever from either listening or watching the episodes. Or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, then what you can do to support the show is simply leave a rating and a review. It's a small, small task from your side that will go a long way because it helps in getting the show in front of more people, more viewers, more listeners. And at the same time, when people do find the show, taking a look at the review or rating will really give them the sort of reassurance that this show is really worth their time. Now, if you don't have Apple Podcasts or you don't want to talk to your family or friends, then what you can simply do is open up an app that we all have, which is WhatsApp. What you can do is just share the episode over WhatsApp stories, either the audio or the video version, depending on where you're tuning in. And it's a very simple way to get it in front of your folks, friends, family members, whoever else is connected with you uh, over WhatsApp. So yeah, that's another thing you can simply do. Okay, so that concludes the intro. Let's get right into the show. This is episode 14 with Darshan N.
we have just a lot to uncover, a lot to dive deep into. And um, I think we had a long conversation ourselves, right? And uh, I can just imagine, at least I can tell you till now, the kind of guests who have gotten here, who have come here, are relatively on the younger side. People who don't have this sort of experience under their belt, to be very honest. But our friend Sal obviously was very insistent. And when I took a look at your profile as well, I was like, you know what, this is just great stuff. And I think we, when we started conversing as well, we got into a very different sort of a territory and we got into areas which people don't normally talk about. And I think areas which people need to talk about as well. And I think maybe, I wouldn't say negligent, but people just tend to think, ah, you know what, I know, I know all of that. Philosophy is all just a very, you know, boring subject, but even with what you've written with your latest book too, I think there's just a lot to uncover. So let's maybe start off with what you're doing right now and then slowly maybe get down to how you got here. Great. Sounds good. Yeah. Cool then. Uh, so yeah, what are you up to these days? So I guess uh, you can call me an author now. Okay. <laughs> and that's what I'm doing these days. Yeah. I'm uh, writing quite a bit. Right. Um, and, and it, I always wanted to write. I mean, I, I used to write as a kid, uh, but, you know, never got around to writing. But the lockdown gave me time. Yeah. And, and so I started writing. If I have to um, tell you how did I get here, I think the story is that I've always reinvented my life. Right. And I believe that all of us need to reinvent ourselves regularly. Right. It's, it's like uh, people update your software in your laptop, in your phone so regularly. But. They don't update themselves at all, right? And uh, very early on in my career, I realized that if you're going to be in one industry, right? Uh, imagine if you're going to meet the same clients over and again, over and again, and you keep talking about did you see this movie? Did you know is it raining or the, the traffic? Same small talk. Yeah, the guy's not going to want to see you again, right? So you have to reinvent yourself. You have to be interesting, right? And uh, that's what I've done, right? So, so I looked at the lockdown, the business was down, everything was shut, right? I said, what do I do, right? Uh, let's do something interesting, right? And uh, uh, actually, I had no plans to write a self-help book. <laughs> I was writing something else. I had a plan to write something else. And uh, the lockdown was like a very interesting space because I was actually having fun when it began because it was suddenly a break from work. You didn't need to drive. You didn't need to go to office. You didn't need to dress up. You know, no, you didn't need to shave if you didn't feel like. Uh, right. uh, there was no help, nobody coming. So you could have breakfast when you want, do what you want, right? right. But when I started talking to people, uh, uh, because you had a lot of free time and people are calling and suddenly everybody wanted to be in touch, right? <laughs> During the lockdown, my school mates formed a group, my college mates formed a group. So people I haven't been in touch for 20 plus years uh, have suddenly all come back in touch, right? But as I kept talking to people, I realized that for a lot of people, they were very anxious. They were very stressed. And for us entrepreneurs, we go to hell and back so many times, right? So for us, it was another day in office. But seeing the way people were reacting and the way people were uh, talking about the experience, I was a little concerned. And then when Shushan Singh Rajput committed suicide, uh, my wife was kind of very shaken up and she was like, why would he want to do it? And that got me thinking that who knows how many other people look happy from the outside, but you know, they're going through hell inside. And, and now with isolation, 
right? They're going to feel even more lonely, mm. right? Mm. And that's why I got down to writing this because I said, at least whatever learnings I've had in my life, right? Uh, it's not like I've not had my weak moments and I haven't thought of stupid thoughts, right? Uh, so I said, can I share it with people? And if it helps even one person, right? Why not? And uh, I do know that even now, post the lockdowns lifted, in quite a few corporates, uh, I don't want to name a company, but I know in one company, in one week, 10 people had committed suicide, wow. right? Which means there is an issue, right? People mm -hmm. are stressed. There, there is uh, probably a pandemic of mental health, right? Uh, which is more prevalent than even COVID, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it needs help. Mm. And and that's why I wrote this book, and and I hope people will read it and benefit from it. And yeah. and I've written it also in a way where it's more like an exercise. So mm. in each chapter, you have some practicality to it. You have right. to do some evaluations. You have right. to answer some questions, right. right? So the ones who will actually benefit are the ones who will reread it, go back to those uh, questions, answer them honestly, and and then act on it, right? Right. And um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. Uh, my next book is nearly done. Oh, okay. So, so we have another one in, uh, coming. in the pipeline. Yeah. But I think we will release it next year, probably okay. in March or April. Again, self-help? No. Yeah, that's, that, that was <laughs> that, my that, question. That's a, a leadership oh, book okay. Uh, okay. Uh, from my experience uh, with the Deccan Chargers. Okay. So uh, yeah, and uh, I, th I thought it was time to share that story. Yeah. And I think that that's a good segue into, you know, uh, something that a lot of people connect with, which is IPL, right? Correct. Indians and cricket. Although I'm honestly not one of them. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I've never really been a big fan of cricket. Uh, but I think IPL has, let's say, started catering to a very different, a very wide set of audience. And I think what... IPL has done with cricket is just incredible. I think they've just literally put us on the map for so many reasons, right? And uh, yeah, I think we should definitely get down to that. A lot of people are probably watching, listening to this to understand, you know, what happened there. And I think the year you took over or your team took over, you guys won. Yes. If I'm not wrong. For right? that, they have to buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. What, what I'll tell you, though, is um, uh, what most people don't know is I'm not a cricket fan myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and before the IPL, I didn't even watch cricket. Okay. <laughs> um, I used to find it very boring sport, you know, especially test cricket. I couldn't never understand how anybody would sit and watch something for five days and still have no result. Right? Um, and uh, I remember once uh, in one of those conferences, a speaker uh, spoke about cricket and he said it's a very perfect sport for India because it's it's like a caste system, you know, your batsmen are Brahmins, your bowlers are Kshatriyas, <laughs> then your fielders are Shudras, you know, the, the, you know, it's wow. built that way. And, and that's why Indians love it. Wow. Right? Uh, so, I never liked cricket before IPL, honestly, right? And I was, I was able to do my job because I didn't have any emotional influence in my mm. decision making, right? It, I was not in awe of any cricketer or anything. So I was not a fanboy trying to keep them happy. I, yeah. I called a spade a spade and, and I got things done, yeah. done right? Uh, but what IPL has done definitely is, is it's given cricket a new life. Because cricket otherwise, anyway, was a sport that was played in hardly seven, eight countries and it was dying, right? Yeah. Uh, it was losing younger audiences to shorter form of entertainment, right? Yeah. In the end, if you look at it, 
we live in what I call the headlines generation. We don't have time to read the whole paper. You read the headlines and you move on. You're, you're distracted continuously with an influx of information, right? Mm. So today, if you are, so if you are <coughs> BCCI and you want to reach out to your audience, you're not competing with football or motorsport. You're competing with movie, with uh, Netflix, with everything. Entertainment right? sense. Uh, yeah. you, and, and IPL was also competing with, let's say, going out for lunch, uh, dinner, right? Mm. So 2020 as a format gave cricket, you know, that opportunity to be relevant for this uh, day and age. And, and the right mix of entertainment, cheerleaders, the, the way they put it together, made it a wholesome family entertainment, right? So for a family, whether they go for a movie or they watch an IPL match, mm -hmm. it, it was a good trade-off. Mm -hmm. And that's why it worked. Mm. It and still is working, right? I mean, to yeah, some extent. Today it is what? Seven, eight billion dollar valuation. It's one of the largest uh, uh, it's in the sporting leagues of the world, right? If you right. take the top 10 in the world, it's there. It's right there with EPL and NFL and NBA, yeah. which is incredible, yeah. right? And, and it's out of India. Yeah. Right? We wouldn't yeah. have ever believed India would create something that would uh, go there. Yeah. Um, I remember at the end of the first season, uh, Scott Styrus was telling me uh, mm. that after all these years, also his father kept asking him when you're going to get a real job, right? <laughs> because in uh, New Zealand, if you're a cricketer, it's nothing great, right? If you were a rugby player, you're, you're wow. great. Yeah. Right? But he told me something that after the IPL, right, a lot of young kids who still haven't decided about their career, but they're into athletics and they're fit, are thinking about cricket. So yeah. as we speak, there may be a small kid, 10-year-old living somewhere in New Zealand or England, who's dreaming of one day playing for Royal Challengers Bangalore. Yeah. Think about it, yeah. right? Uh, which is very different from... We all growing up saying we want to one day play for Manu or whatever, right? Yeah. It's it's different that now the world <coughs> is looking at India and saying they want to be here. Be here, yeah. And that's what IPL's done. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and uh, there's no denying that the Test match has a very you know uh, a very let's say constricted or very narrow set of audience, and the game has pretty much been the same since. God knows how long and people who have always liked test matches would still like test matches today. And the same with uh, international 50 year, I mean 50 hour uh, games as well. But uh, uh, with what IPL has done, I think like you said, it's not just given people new dreams. At the same time, it's also opened up a very different set of uh, or a couple of hours of entertainment itself. Right. Like you said, the, the, the trade off is not just between sports. It's also between anything else in the entertainment industry and everyone's looking forward to you know what IPL has in store for them for a couple of months every year and then you notice there are other leagues coming out of this like Kabaddi and a lot of other leagues and I think if, if I'm not wrong you also worked on something else in the racing uh, in the racing vertical right so we'll obviously get down to that so maybe let's let's really go way back and maybe start um, from how you kind of got started and how you eventually ended up with an IPL team? Well, actually, <coughs> my first job was uh, in timeshares. Okay. Um, I, I was studying in Mangalore and, and uh, I dropped out of college. Uh, uh, that's another story by itself. <laughs> uh, but I'll still tell you, I, I didn't want to do, I wanted to do hotel management. Uh, but my folks thought I'll end up a waiter in some 
uh, restaurant, you know, right. or, or selling tea in, on the roadside. <laughs> so they were like, very clear, you have to be a doctor. My brother's a dentist uh, and, and he got into dentistry and not medicine because he didn't have enough marks. And I was supposedly a brain. So I, I think in 12th, I got 98 out of 100 and my teacher said, put it for re-evaluation. Why did you lose two marks? Okay. <laughs> I know that mentality. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody expected me to go and become a doctor because I had the brains, I was getting the marks, but I didn't want to. I wanted to be a chef, right? But you want to be a chef? Itself. Yeah. So okay. I wanted to do hotel management. I wanted to cook. I love cooking. I love food. You know, yeah. so I, I thought that's what I want to do. But uh, they forced me to do medicine. So but luckily, medicine is not like any other college that you can go and get admission. You have to write an entrance test. So I still had the control to write whatever crap I want so that I don't get selected. Right? Right, right. So I ensured I don't get selected. And, and then they said, OK, what do you want to do? So no hotel management. I said, OK, then let me do BPA and I'll do an MBA and figure out life. They said, OK. And they said they've enrolled me in a college uh, in Mangalore because my brother was there and they said, you are going for BPA. Only when I went into college, I realized I joined microbiology and not BPA, right? They still wanted me to be around medical profession. So, so not said, so okay. much control then. Yeah, I didn't have much control, uh, which is, I, I guess, why I've been so rebellious, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, first year of annual exam, they gave me a test tube of urine and said, check if the patient's pregnant. <laughs> Right. And I knew right then, right there, this That's is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. I never went back to college and my folks got to know a year later. Oh, a year later. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, I took up uh, a timeshare job, uh, which was incredible because uh, you were selling stuff that doesn't exist. Mm. Right. So, so you take money from somebody and promise holidays for the next 30 years. But there is, they give you money today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So I learned sales as a skill, right? Communication, how to talk to people, right? And I think that has been very essential in my life. That that foundation uh, kind of was the foundation on which I built everything else. Mm -hmm. Because I think everybody is actually a salesperson, right? Mm -hmm. People look down at salespeople <coughs> in, and you, you'll see boards in buildings that says, Salespeople not allowed uh, and stuff like that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in reality, all of us are salespeople, right? Uh, you want to convince your wife to go to a restaurant where she wants to go somewhere else. You're actually selling your restaurant, yeah, yeah. right? Every decision, everything that you're selling to somebody, yeah. right? But if people do a proper sales job, I think they will first learn rejection there. Right. 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 Especially if you're doing door-to-door -door sales, right? Mm. You need to have the door slammed on your face. And only then will you be comfortable with the word no, yeah, right? Yeah. If everything you touch turns to gold, yeah. uh, the day it doesn't, you will commit suicide, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that foundation was very essential for me. And, um, and that's how I ended up here today, right? Mm -hmm. On this table <laughs> and this podcast. Yeah, right? that's actually a very interesting uh, topic and an interesting way to look at things because I think I was talking to someone not sure either over Instagram or just pinging someone and uh, they would no I was giving a talk actually as part of this uh, university and uh, the question was uh, how do I how do I convince my parents if I need to get this sort of sales job in Chandigarh they don't allow me to go there so how do I get that job so, I, so the simple answer is what you said you first crack the first level of sales which is to convince your parents Correct. you figure out what works or maybe do something that 
eventually gets you there and then you you know work around that and you kind of think think on your toes right so it is one way to look at things and at the same time uh, if you are maybe not set out to uh, also fail in the sense that you like you said you have some doors slammed in your face and then you realize okay it's not always going to work my way and things are just not going to you know i think and especially at the young age it kind of really sets sets the tone and the bar for you and you kind of know okay this is what the real world expectations are so the question is uh, how can one who has no experience and especially in your situation you didn't even complete your education how did you end up with a job i mean how did you really put yourself out there and get that because if you go into an interview the first question they ask is hey i don't see any experience but so the question is hey give me some experience so i can maybe gain some experience right so see the beauty about experience is you can get it anybody can get it right today pretty much every company takes interns okay yeah. and if you go to some company and say i want to work for free right i want to learn i want to do whatever odd jobs yeah. right most people will let you right um, very occasionally will people say no because they are they probably in a high pressure job and and they don't have time policies to, and what not yeah. and they don't have time yeah. right but you can gain experience uh, and if somebody says i don't have experience i don't know how to get experience then there's some serious problem right because i've done things like i I've, i've been a cashier in a supermarket i've tried different things right so you can go and work anywhere if you want to work right if the idea is to learn and not about earn right then you will get a job yeah. the problem starts when you say first day i i met so many youngsters first job they're coming they want to know first how much they'll earn when is the holidays what is the working hours yeah. you know you're already putting conditions right yeah. and you're not even asking about can i what can i learn mm. right so that's the difference between people who make it and those who don't right mm. and uh, so experience is something that is available for everybody right mm. see and when i was young we didn't have the internet we didn't have access to information and technology yeah. right so bulk of our reading was done in libraries right so for me at that age whatever i learned was harder than say for you or somebody else today to learn because it's available right today you get free courses from wharton harvard for free yeah. right you just need a phone with an internet connection and you can learn anything you want so if today you decide i want to learn how to play the guitar you don't need to go find a teacher you google you it and you learn it right yeah. Yeah. so i think first you need to have that interest to learn to develop right you need to have that curiosity of why right why is something happening why can't it happen some other way and if you don't have that mm. right i don't see you moving forward at all yeah right? absolutely and um, I think a- any interview where if people are asking you about your education uh and and those kind of stuff I think you should anyway not go for a job like that mm. because really that doesn't matter right uh, if you have come from a uh, one of those fancy B schools yes there is some yeah uh, value added to it uh, which also I don't personally uh, add any value to it all I do know is they have a good network right yeah but other than that they don't have anything else right what is more important is what will you do mm. for me right 
in, and that's what you need to find out. Right. It's like my first interview was for that timeshare company and all the guy asked me was tell me about yourself. Yeah. Right. And I just told him about myself and then he said, okay, come and join next day. Right. And the next day there were about 30 of us who had joined and he took us to the beach and he asked, uh, you guys may wonder what was this interview about? All I asked you was tell me about yourself. He said, yes. He said, if you can't speak about yourself, whom you've known for the last 20 years for half an hour, what are you going to talk about my product? Right. Right. And that's basic, right? Yeah. Today, tell me which B school do you know that they even teach kids how to face an interview? Nobody does. Nobody prepares you for life, right? They just produce you <laughs> like a factory. One can put a label, send you out. Yeah. They don't prepare you for life. And they try to put uh, a tag of soft skills at the end and say, you know what, rather than having that part of the curriculum and really uh, complementing what you're learning here, you see that last uh, boot camp or, uh, you know, that last month and they're like, let's just try to shove this down their brains, just teach them how to face an interviewer and see how to crack an it. Because I've been there and uh, I did find it a little funny because they expected people who didn't open up through the entire course of Sunday just open up and say, wow, I'm just this amazing person. I'm going to kill it. And, but yeah, it, it is what it is, right? So yeah. I, I'm somebody who believes uh, a lot in learning, but I don't believe in education at all. I don't believe... I've used anything that I've ever studied in school or college, right? Mm. Well, everything that I learn every day from people, from books, from from experiences is what helps me. And and that learning needs to be lifelong, right? right? right. I don't believe in the education system at all. I think it, it's been ripe for disruption for ages. I thought now they will disrupt, but I still don't see... So the real disruption talking about right yeah i'm hoping yeah. that will at least change things but even otherwise all the other guys you know the private guys all the mm. funded guys they're not disrupting education they're just putting it Come delivering it through a different medium that's yeah. it but they're still not preparing you for life they're not producing people who can be successful mm. and that's my concern absolutely because uh the reason why i brought up that instance of uh this student asking this question was uh, the next question that followed was someone who said this has been the benchmark or this is the job to get when you graduate because you know when you're when you're in the final year you know for the fact that okay these are the companies that could probably end up coming to our university and it's it's a little funny because that only happens in India like this whole placement as such in college because outside you go around looking for jobs you go to fairs you go to these uh, conferences you meet people you network it comes down to that but uh, the question was this is the uh, average pay that i can look to expect right so if i don't get that am i should i be taking this up which is a very funny thing because average is a is just a tag at the end of the day then what you want to earn uh, learn rather than earn is basically the question so even if you and, I've, and I, I, I do this a lot with both my podcast series as well as my startup, which is to not look at what, where this person's coming from, but look at what they can look to learn and mutually benefit each other, right? In the sense that company can grow at the same time, this person can grow too. We have taken on a lot of people who have zero experience in maybe content creation, zero experience in digital marketing. We have even hired people who are in, uh, kids who are in their 11th grade. Uh, and seeing whether they have some potential because at the end of, end, end of the day, it's what you said, whether, you know, if you give them the platform and they can use it to, uh, wisely, then you know there's some potential and that's, you know, going to, 
maybe spawn to so many other things right so absolutely i think uh, opportunities are plenty and especially in today's day and age it's just a matter of you having to sit down intentionally look for something online or get out of the house maybe not during lockdown but <laughs> yeah and go around looking for the right uh, opportunities so yeah absolutely i completely concur uh so yeah so what happened from the timeshare job how did that lead into other things that was interesting then those guys disappeared then i realized they were fly by nights so <laughs> who taken some clients monies and disappeared <laughs> and, and uh, it they used to operate out of the taj hotel and one day i went to work and there was no office there they just the taj hotel okay, no. <laughs> no they were not there in the hall right yeah, yeah. so they vacated and they've gone right wow. but uh, yeah so it it was like one of those uh, moments after that of wasting time like i said supermarket this that yeah. to, till i realized i want to do something with my life right. so i was still in a small town mangalore because i had gone to study there so i started my bike and came to bangalore oh okay okay said, let me do something right in did you have family members living here do you have friends living here i did have but i didn't tell anybody i just had some guy from mangalore whom i knew who was living here he said come come so he i tagged came along. and um, I came and uh, I didn't even know where to start, what to do, right? Uh, as luck would have it, um, where where I was staying with few friends, um, there was an ad of Club Mahindra looking mm. for salespeople, right? And it, they said you've done timeshare, see timeshare company go. So I went for the interview, and uh, I went to the reception. It used to be in CMH Road those days, which now I think is a coffee day. Okay. Building. Oh, that corner building. Yes, the coffee day. That the was the one right below the metro. No, no, it's on CMH Road, uh, bank opposite to ICICI Bank. Okay, got it. The other okay. side. Okay, okay. Little further from Chumbak, right? Got it, got it. So that coffee day was our office, and I went and there were lots of people suited, booted, tie, and <laughs> and people were asking each other, where did you do your MBA and all of that, <coughs> because that's what the ad said, right? MBA. Right. I was like, oh, I've come to the wrong place. I think I should. scoot before they they find so i got up and this guy came out and said for the interview i said yeah it's a resume i gave it and he said okay come i went in and he looked at it and said okay so you've done timeshare so tell me darshan why aren't you wearing a tie i said the ad didn't specify <laughs> he said okay come tomorrow at 11 that was it my interview is over next day i got an appointment letter oh, okay right so actually life has been a series of funny incidents like this right i've never had interview interview ever yeah. right yeah. um i remember from there i went and joined i i did timeshare then i moved on to indian express then i moved to express india within the company and then we india was the next interview i attended when channel v was launching their dot com and uh, i remember they called me to the channel v office first they sent one of the vjs to prank me oh, okay <coughs> but i wasn't watching television so i didn't recognize him <laughs> right right and then he said no no the real interview will come yeah and the guy came and said okay tell me darshan what gives you a high in life i said rum and coke <laughs> and uh, he said oh you drink i said yes it's uh, every day i said yes he said okay come join us tomorrow <laughs> right so that was it it's and, a nice bar literally a bar to say yeah. <laughs> so so i always got jobs like this <clears throat> after that um, pretty much most jobs I never applied. I never went for an interview. It was either people reaching out and saying, "Yeah, uh, come join us." Right. right. Uh, so I've been fortunate. So I'm the wrong guy to give advice on how to crack an interview or what to say <laughs> in an interview. Right. All I can say is, you be be yourself. Right. The, the, what is an interview looking actually to see you and your real personality? Right. If you 
have a gift of gab, show it. If you have skills, show it, right? I don't think you need to prepare for an interview ever. Yeah, right? I don't think you can, right? I mean, unless no, it's there are people who do that. Yeah, right? I know, which is uh, so funny. That's why there's something called mock interviews. Yeah. <laughs> It is what it is. It's a mock interview, right? right. <laughs> I mean, I can understand some aspects of technicality to, to a good extent, but you can't prepare for soft skills. You can't prepare to just, you know, have a conversation. It's just something that you've always done or you've never done it. True. Right. And uh, I think what you mentioned is so, so key. If you can't talk about yourself for 30 minutes, I don't think you can sell anything. You can't really literally sell yourself, which again. Yeah, I, is, I mean, even if you're a technical skill, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that if you're technical, you don't need to have soft skills. You don't need, you need to communicate. How yeah. are you going to get your ideas across? And you sit for a meeting, if you're going to sit like you don't have a tongue, yeah. it's not going to work, right? Yeah. So even when I hire people for technical skills or, or for my apparel brand, I was hiring, let's say designers, right. I talk to them first. I don't want to see the designs. Mm -hmm. Designs we'll see later, right? right? right. First, can you talk, it, yeah. right? Can talk. you yeah. be a part of the team? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, the fact that you are constantly working with others, it's so key that you, you know, you gel with them and at the same time you communicate what you've done. So it's one thing I constantly tell my team, which is you can do all the work in the world, but if you can't let me know you've done the work, it's basically no work done. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's useless. And oh God, I've had some tough instances in my previous job where I was in the technical field. I was in IT. Uh, and I was a product person, so I'd moved on. I was kind of liaising between uh, the tech side and the you know the business aspect. So on one side, you have the business folks who are constantly jabbering and constantly speaking, and then the other side, you have these guys who are constantly clicking and you know coding and all that. But we have had so many issues and so many instances where you know it's just miscommunication. The fact that people just weren't able to quickly put their thought across, or the fact that hey, I've done the work, but why why doesn't he know? Like bugger, it's because you didn't tell him. <laughs> Like it's because you didn't drop the mail, clearly it's stating you've done it. Yeah, I I completely get what he's saying. So uh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, so yeah, so how did you finally end up with the Deccan team? Well, uh, like I said, everything has been a series of lucky Actually, one accidents. thing, Darshan, before we get to that, how what is the experience uh, jumping from you know? one industry to another because you I think you went from timeshare to so time media was very to, very early right uh, and uh, then I moved to media and that also was only because somebody told me I can't right okay. <laughs> uh, I think from childhood uh, the best motivator uh, way to motivate me was to tell me I can't do something and then revenge <laughs> and then you have to do it yeah. right so it, it was by accident where uh, somebody I was going for a sales call with and, and he wanted to apply in ESPN. And I was like, can I apply too? And he's like, no, no, it's only for MBAs. Yeah. Right? I was like, no. Where's your time? Yeah. So I'm like, I have to get into media now. Right. Yeah. And uh, by accident, I bumped into somebody I had met in Mangalore and uh, she was working in uh, Indian Express. And I said, okay, I want a job media. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's how I got into media. And uh, in media again, I wanted to learn, right? So uh, learning has been something that I, it's like a black hole. It's like an unquenchable thirst, right? It's, it's always wanting to learn new things. So when I was at Express, I learned what is page making, how do reporters work, how they write, when is the story submitted, all of that I learned a lot, right? And that's when they also did um, 
expressindia.com got relaunched and so I got a chance to work. So when they were looking for volunteers, I'm always the first to put my hand up because there's something new. Right? Right. So I learned .com and I'm talking about 99, okay, when much before India Times and everybody existed, right? Uh, we had, in, I think in 98, Express and Kingfisher <coughs> had a first cyber pub in India okay. where you could drink beer and browse. <laughs> okay. So, so we've done some, uh, you know, really innovative stuff. So I moved to .com only because I wanted to learn .com. And then when uh, Channel V got acquired by Star TV, and then I was given a choice either to move to India.com, which was Star's major dot-com investment or move into television and I said I haven't done television so I moved to television. So every experience has been because I hadn't done it, right? Um, I was with Star and I left Star <coughs> to join Harish Bijur because he had started something called Zip Telecom. I think it's much before you guys were born. <laughs> uh, where They used to have STD booths with a screen and you, they played ads there. So they were trying to build a media company using STD booths. Wow. So we used to sell ad space. And we did, again, very innovative stuff there. We did things like for, I think, close up, we put a sticker that gave mint smell when you spoke. And, and wow. you know, <laughs> uh, for McDonald's number one, we removed the number one button and put that logo of theirs. Right. So we did innovative stuff, um, but obviously the mobile phones came and <laughs> STD boots disappeared and that business went past. Uh, but I left a comfortable, established, start television to join this because I thought I would learn something new, mm. right? Uh, and then I tried launching my own television channel. So I launched a channel in Kurk called Channel Kurk. Okay. And uh, ran that for about three years. We lost a lot of money, learned a lot of lessons. <laughs> Learning continued, uh, which is when I got a call from an old friend uh, whom I used to know from Nike and he was with Mahesh Bhupati. They just started a company called Globosport. So he called saying, we're looking for help. Uh, we're looking for sales guys. Can you come and join? And I was like, no, I'm an entrepreneur now. I have my own television <laughs> channel. I can't. He's like, okay, come consult, right? So I went to consult and then in what was supposed to be two days a week ended up becoming seven days a week. So I pretty much opened the offices in Bombay, Delhi, hired staff in all offices, uh, which is where I connected back to sport after school days, right? So I was passionate about sport as a youngster dreamt of uh, a future in sport and probably dreamt of one day, you know, as a kid, you, your dreams are not restricted, right? I think as a kid, I dreamt of playing for Brazil, <laughs> right? <laughs> Only when you grow up, you understand it's never going to happen, right? But that's the beauty about childhood, right? There is no boundaries. You watch a karate movie, you come out, you think you can do karate. I'm the karate kid. Right? <laughs> so, uh, so I, when this sport opportunity came back, I realized I can actually live my passion again, but on the business side of sport. And uh, that was a great experience. And, and then I went uh, on my own to create a sports management company. We organized uh, Bangalore's first marathon in 2005, the Lipton Bangalore International Marathon, where Lipton launched ISD across India using this marathon. Um, then I created the world's first midnight marathon, which still happens in Whitefield. Right. Yeah. Um, there, there never existed a midnight marathon in the world before that. Right. So we did interesting things in sport. And that's how I got into sport. And, and we did lots of interesting things. We did uh, darting championships. We did arm wrestling. We did lots of interesting things. 
uh, which is when Group M reached out and they were looking for somebody to head sports in India for them. Mm. And generally what happened in Group M was it was usually because it's a media business, it's somebody from a media planning background was always put on sport. Yeah. And he didn't understand sport. And and what Group M realized was that nine out of ten advertisers in sport were actually Group M clients, but they were not doing the deal through Group M, but went into specialist agencies like IMG or yeah. WSG. So they wanted a sports person to come on board, and that's how I joined the agency. Again, I had no plans to join the agency. I was an entrepreneur, but when they offered me this opportunity, I knew I'd learn a lot more because I'm I'm a big fish in a small pond, not even a pond, maybe in a bucket, yeah. right? So I'm actually going to go into the ocean. And I learned a lot there because there suddenly, in a, in a month of me working, I was negotiating a deal with David Beckham for a client. I was doing another discussion with the Barcelona Football Club for somebody else. So suddenly you had global exposure. You had NBA sent their representative to come and meet me in India because they were planning to enter into India. Right. Okay. So an NBA a group of clients in US, so they asked them to come and speak about India, right? right? So the exposure was different. We were learning lots of new things. I had colleagues, international colleagues who had all former experience of uh, being in the Arrows team mm -hmm. in F1 and all of that. So I learned a lot there, right? right. Uh, I had gone there thinking I will spend the next three, four years because there's so much to learn. But then IPL happened <laughs> and Group M were advisors to BCCI, right? Mm. So we helped uh, BCCI outreach the teams to team owners, right? So I, I was involved in helping uh, the sale to uh, the Deccan Chronicle newspaper guys to win the bid. I was mm. in the team that helped them put the bid together, put the team together, right? right? And we were consulting to them. So we helped them in all of that. We helped them with sponsorships and mm. uh, they ended up last. And uh, <laughs> then they told me that uh, we don't know how to run. Why don't you come and run it, right? right. And that's how I left Group M and joined here only because I knew there's only eight people in the world who get an opportunity to run an IPL team, right? Yeah. Yeah. And even though I had plans and I was supposed to, I had dreams of going to Singapore and doing a regional role later and stuff like that, I had to change, you yeah. know, when this opportunity came up. That's how I joined these guys. Yeah. And uh, as luck would have it, we won that year. Right? Yeah. And then the family said, oh, this 45-day tournament is too small a role for you. Why don't you come and run the main business? Right. So I moved to run the newspaper, <coughs> which was in my choice again, right? Yeah. because I wanted to be in sport. Right. But then I looked at the learning opportunity because the newspaper industry is like a very old antiquated industry. This is a pre-independence newspaper. right? Mm. Some of the people in the company had spent more time in the company than I'd spent on the planet. Right? <laughs> So how do you work with those people? How do you get them to respect you? How do you get them to follow your instructions, right? So it's, it's learning, right? We launched new editions in Kwaimato, Kochi. So it was very different experience, right? Mm. So, so learning is what takes me to different places, right? And it's not because I think I want to be there, right? Mm. And I think 99% of my life has been just pure luck, being at the right place at the right time. Or when an opportunity opens up, putting my hand up when nobody else wants to do it, right? Um, I always believed, especially when I worked in large organizations, I realized that you're only remembered for two things, the problems you create and the problems you solve. <laughs> Otherwise, nobody remembers you, right? right. It, it, it's a large company, thousands of employees. How will anybody remember you, right? right. You either create such a big problem that whole <laughs> country knows you or you solve a big problem. Right. 
right? Right. And uh, generally in large organizations, I've seen that there is some job nobody wants, right? <laughs> uh, nobody wants to take that responsibility. I always put my hand up, right? Mm. Because you know you're going to get a chance to solve some problem, right? Totally. And that's how I got where I am, right? Mm. Uh, we always looking for problems to solve, right? right. Today, I think a uh, big problem I'm seeing is that uh, people with gray hair won't get jobs anywhere, <laughs> right? I'm seeing right. job posts, ads that says age limit 32, age limit 38, <laughs> right? And there's a wealth of experience that people are not getting placed, right? right. I, I know some guys who, who I think are 48 or 50 and he applied for a CEO's job and they told him you're too old. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Um, which I think is the next big problem to solve because you have ill-equipped, under-experienced people now running large organizations with too much money to spend, right? And you can see the results: three hundred crore uh, loss and three crore revenue, yeah. and then they, you get uh, uh, called a unicorn, right? Uh, when I started my career, I was thought the job of a business is to Make money. Make money from the market and pay your shareholders, right? Today, you take the money from the shareholders and distribute it to the market. I don't know how long this party will continue, but I think that bubble is going to burst. We've seen the dot-com burst. I've been uh, part of that dot-com burst. I've seen India.com splash. When they launched, I think they they spent more on the launch day than what we, India.com, where we were working, had spent in one year of operation. (laughs) And where is India.com today? Gone, right? Somebody had to write it off. Right, absolutely. So I I can see uh, some big problems coming soon. (laughs) And actually this pandemic is going to speed it up. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that you said you can see problems coming up, it's basically, again, avenues for us to solve. And exactly. step in and figure out the right ways to get around it. Correct. Right. Uh, so I had this interesting conversation with, uh, uh, I think the same talk, I don't know why it goes back to the same thing, but uh, uh, about how people get to recognize you, how you get remembered. So you mentioned that it's either you having massive problems created and you, or you solve big problems. I mean, not the same, you don't create a problem and solve it. Mutually exclusive. Some people do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you are remembered for awkward reasons, if you want to call it that, right? But uh, if you think about it, even the most famous people on earth, there's very few people who transcend generations. If you think about, do you even remember your own grandparents or great grandparents? A lot of people can't even, you know, tell us what their names are, which is very funny, right? Because it's your bloodline and irrelevant of what they've done. There's a good chance, you know, it's going to be forgotten. But having said that, the mark or the impact that each person has, at least with those inner circles or maybe one or two circles itself is enough for you to be remembered through their lives. Right. So that's a very, uh, I'm not sure where I picked this up. I think it's over some uh, a particular video or another podcast itself. But the fact that it's not just about you transcending generations, but you can get in uh, or leave a mark by others talking about your at least the work that you have brought to the table your the the effort the maybe the learning to itself is a way to be remembered at least no matter how you know short-lived or long-lived that is right that's one way to look at it i think there's a problem with that whole okay. thought process itself right 95 percent right. um, of the entrepreneurs say i want to do something that will 
help me be remembered. I want to leave a legacy behind, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, which is all great, right? Uh, you you want to leave a legacy, open an orphanage or something yeah, like that yeah. in, in your father's name, everybody will remember, yeah. right? But the reality is, if you go back to basics, right? What, like the Bhagavad Gita teaches you, right? You have control only in what you can do. Exactly. Don't look at the fruit, yeah. right? That's not in your control. Correct. So I think if you do what you were meant to do and what you've come to do, yeah. do it well, yeah. right? That's it, right? I have a policy that leave everything better than you found it. Okay? In whatever way, small way you can find it. Right? You, you make your difference. If it snowballs into something, right? I remember when I first got my first iPhone, it you had to go to the grey market mm. because it was available <laughs> in India, <laughs> India yeah, yeah. and buy it. Yeah. And I used it and I was like, gosh, why didn't they make a phone like this before? Yeah. Because it was so easy to use. Right. And so uncomplicated. It's a problem that he solved. Correct. Yeah, right. Yeah. Before that, there didn't exist a product like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. You had those chunky keyboards and a <laughs> tiny screen and, you know, uh, you know, you're trying so to have Black a conversation and, yeah. in that Blackberry uh, <laughs> chat. So if you solve problems, right, your legacy will get built automatically. Exactly. Right. But yeah. that's not in your control. In your control. Exactly. See, half of these people commit suicide and all of that are people who are Focusing on that, right? They're so caught up with uh, what people think outcomes about me, yeah. right? Rather than what they think about themselves, right? It's like I believe the most addictive substance on earth is not alcohol, not cigarettes, not drugs. It's fame. Mm -hmm. If that bug bites you, you're gone, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You want to be known. You want to be famous, right? Exactly. Big problem. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Our conversation ended on that note, which is basically going back to being a stoic and not really having to worry about the outcomes. But you do what you can rather than having to worry whether this is going to leave a mark and, you know, leave a legacy. Because if it does, great. But then at the end of the day, people who you have maybe touched or impacted, they'll remember you anyway. And it, it all comes back to it that. It doesn't matter even if they it, don't. Exactly. After right. you're gone, you're gone. Yeah, exactly. Whether people remember you, don't remember what difference you make, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's like that, uh, there's a very famous story, I don't know where I read it, but I'm sure you would have read it too. Uh, it talks about this uh, tourist who's wandering around photographing and he sees one uh, guy carving a, a Ganesha statue from stone. And yeah. so the guy says, very nice, very pretty. Um, and the guy says, no, it's not done. And he, and he removes and he starts fresh. When it, it looks very pretty, this guy is really impressed. The guy says, not done. He says, uh, wow, what's the problem? He says, this small crack here, it's not nice. He says, where is it going to come? It's going to come on top of a, a tower, yeah. which is some 50 feet high. It's going to be up in that gopuram of the temple. Yeah, okay. yeah. So this guy says, Nobody can see it. Yeah. He says, but I can. I know. I made it. I know it's flawed. Right? right. So the guy makes a brand new one because he knows it's not perfect. Right. right? So if you focus on what you're doing, not be bothered about, about others, thing. others thing, whether others will notice, not notice. And also see people are so full of themselves that they really think people are thinking about them all the time. <laughs> no. Nobody's bothered about you. Right. right. You live, you die, people don't care. People will talk for two days. Yeah. Even your friend circle will say sad, you know, this yeah. happened. After that, they're busy with their own life. Everybody has their own yeah, crap to deal with, right? Their own fame, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, people don't have time for anybody. You know? Absolutely. Nobody really has time for anybody. Mm. And nobody really cares.
That's so true. Yeah, and that actually is a good segue into what I think we spoke about for a long time, which is basically adaptability and how you really keep up with, you know, just maybe things didn't go according to plan. It could be outcome based. It could be just you putting in the effort and then you realize maybe the market's not ready for it. Maybe I think you mentioned something uh, where you had an idea which was way ahead of its time and it just didn't happen. And I know a couple of people who have done that too. For instance, I have this family friend who started a gym and an amazing gym somewhere in a small town in Kerala. It's amazing. There's air conditioning and it's just incredible. I mean, it would have worked really well in Bangalore back then. This is about 20 years ago. So you can imagine. And and they just pumped in a lot of money and just didn't work because maybe too a, way ahead of its time. At the same time, maybe not smart enough to really, it's, you know, bring it in. That is not way ahead of its time. That is bad business decision. <laughs> Could be, yeah. See, yeah. a lot of failed businesses is because they have an idea. They do it because they want to do it and not because there's a market for it, right. not because the market needs it, right. right? If that chap had spent even half a day or a couple of days talking to people, understanding what did they need, yeah. right? Yeah. You would have built something successful, right? right? Yeah. It's a little funny because um, uh, I did have a conversation with him around this and the problem was he was talking to very like-minded people who all believed in the concept or the idea, but that's just one aspect of it, right? If you haven't put in that sort of thought into understand what the masses, you know, want, because it's, you're not trying to keep it very limited and very novel and only have maybe 10 members per year. You're trying to keep it for the masses. So yeah, it, it comes down to that. And uh, I get what you're saying. So yeah, so maybe on the adaptability front, what have you seen having to move from, uh, something like Deccan Chronicle to, uh, I think, the company that you recently started with, uh, Milan Soman uh, as well. Uh, we'll get into that a little later. But what is the what, what have you seen the last decade or so in terms of keeping up with, you know, just things that life's throwing at you and these companies throwing at you and, you know, just being, uh, let's say, very quick and nimble on your toes? It's, it's like I said earlier, it's all about learning, right? So my journey has been because I wanted to learn, right? I, and... Where I see opportunity, I think there's a problem. Nobody is doing something. I try and do something there. Yes, some of them have been way ahead of its time. A uh, lot of my ideas, actually 90% of my ideas have been way ahead of its time. Uh, I kind of blame it to my genes, I guess. I was premature born. So I came in a hurry. So everything I do in a hurry. <laughs> in a hurry. Right? Okay. Um, it's like even my television channel, right? It was launched at an era when there was no distribution. Right. We used to send the 8 o'clock news in CDs with bus drivers and each cable operator in different towns had to collect it and play it correctly at 8 o'clock. Right? Synchronized. Synchronized, <laughs> right? Because even the networks weren't connected. Cable operators weren't connected, right? Today, we're all connected, right? Today, you can build a channel code again and totally digitally. From right? home. From Literally, home. Literally, right? Yeah. So, you need to sometimes wait, right? But then... Like they say in the startup world, uh, timing is everything, right? Absolutely. If you're not embarrassed with your first product that you put out, you're already too late, mm. right? So if you sit waiting for the right moment, right, you know, product and right packaging and everything, you're already too late, right? Yeah, yeah. So you need to put it out there. The market needs to tell you what they want or don't want, what you need to change, how do you need to modify, right? right? right. It's like when I launched uh, the organic yoga brand, right? With Milan, we launched it as a women's wear brand, 
right? We noticed a problem that Indian women have different body types, different environments and different sensibilities. And there was nothing being made for them. What has been pushed to them saying a sportswear, sportswear by all the large multinationals was nothing but synthetic polyester stuff, which Indian women didn't want, right? Our sensibility is to cover up the layers. In the West, they want to show off the assets. So they need something that's sticking so you can see. Here, they don't want to show it, right? There was nothing for them. And we spoke to hundreds of women and they said, I do. I heard feedbacks like I spend more time pulling my t-shirt down than focusing on my workout. Right? Right, right. So we launched the world's first fitness kurti. Okay. People told me it won't work. I had colleagues who had like 30 years in the apparel industry and they said, what a stupid idea. If it was such a good idea, somebody would have thought of it. And why doesn't it not exist? I said, maybe because nobody thought. <laughs> right. He refused to believe it will work. To date, it's our best selling product. Right. When we launched organic clothing, obviously, again, ahead of its time, people asked, I don't have to eat my t-shirt. Why do I need organic and stuff like that? Right. Right. But some people who liked it, they loved it. Right. They came back to us and said, can you give us organic yoga mat? I was like, organic yoga mat? Okay, let's try and solve the problem. Right. So as we spoke to them asking, why are they asking for this? We realized that most serious yogis hated those synthetic mats that you get in the market. They said early morning when I lie down on it, that fumes go into my nose. It's, it's mm. bad, right? And I can't. I need something organic, something natural, right? So we went back to the drawing board. We said, okay, what can we do? And then you go back and see oh, everything is there in our culture. Mm. Our culture has everything. It's just that we've embraced the West so much that we've forgotten our roots, right? So we realized that people used to sit on chatai earlier, right? Every house had a mat that they used to roll out and used to sit and then they roll it out. So we took that and we started experimenting with that as the starting point. Today we have probably the world's largest collection of uh, organic yoga mats. We have mats made from darba grass, from elephant grass, from banana fiber, jute, cotton, the works, yeah. right? And now we have people who, who buy it. We have dealers in Norway, um, UK, Japan, Australia, US, <coughs> Germany, Poland, all around the world people buy. And how did they find this? We didn't market internationally at all. Yoga teachers come to Rishikesh or to Mysore to do some course. They pick up one of our products, go back, they love it. Then they write to us, pleading us to give them, uh, uh, you know, our products so they can keep in their studio, right? So, Speaking about culture, right? Most of our products we solve like that, right? Everybody talks about uh, dry fit and anti uh, odor and, uh, you know, uh, this is antimicrobial finish, Nike, Adidas, all have some coined terms. What are those? Have you ever wondered what is those antibacterial <laughs> treatment? It's nothing, it's just a silver wash. Okay, they, they wash the fabric in a silver solution. Have those molecules in the, yeah. yeah. And if you actually think about it, we've had that knowledge and that technology for hundreds of years. If you go to your hometown and check in the cupboard, there will be one of your grandmother's salary, sari still there. Hmm. How is that sari alive for 100 years? Have you asked yourself? It's probably because of some wash or something. That Nothing. There has jerry work, right? Those threads, they are silver, silver. thread. Mm. And silver is antimicrobial automatically. Because of that, it prevents anything from attacking that sari. 
So we've had this technology for 100 years. Now all these guys patent it and, and, and they call it it's their <laughs> permit, right? Yeah, yeah. We always had stuff, right? So similarly, when our customers asked us, we want organic bottles. We don't want plastic bottle. We were always using copper in our culture, right? So we launched copper bottles, and people loved it, right? So most of the learnings has happened only because of the readings and and trying to you know dig for answers, right? Uh, is there a better way to do it, right? Right. And that's pr- that's probably how my last two decades has been. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, Today, when I see things like performance marketing, I get very irritated. Right? What is performance marketing? Right? Marketing should perform. Marketing that performs is all that matters. Right? Today, they they've created all these jargons, jargons, and and they've broken down a, a position into smaller positions. Right? And overcomplicating uh, things. Right? Overcomplicating, and also, <coughs> I I think they're trivializing it. Mm. Right? In the early days. There used to be an art. There used to be a science be- behind doing things. Right. Today, they've kind of made it very, very superficial. They actually don't dig deep into anything. Right. Mm. There's no thought process. There's Absolutely. no uh, serious thought put into anything. Mm. Yeah, and and it all goes back to what you said earlier, right? It's it's a valuation game now. Startups have just become. About uh, not about making money or making profits, but more about taking someone's money and, and looking at it, just distributing it, and just making revenue, just a little bit of revenue, and we're good. We're making money, but are you actually making money? Probably not, right? That, yeah. Uh, and then you have deals like the Flipkart deal happens, and again it fuels yeah, more people. Yeah. <laughs> Who made money in Flipkart other than the bundles? Nobody yeah. ever made money, right? Yeah. Uh, stupidity. Yeah. Right. I think it exists. I think it's. Eventually, going to be bought over by Amazon, and that's what the end game is, and that's what they're looking for. I, I, that's Why would I, Amazon want to buy? It? I, I, that's the funny thing. I, the, all these actions are probably not, you know, moving them away from that too. So, in my book, I talk about the cockroach mode. Okay. okay. I, I think that's the next phase of uh, startups, right? The cockroach mode. Yeah. Okay. So today there is a jargon called cockroach startups. I see this. Yes. Okay. okay. They're saying. So there are some some investors who say we will never invest in unicorns. We only invest in cockroaches, right? That's Now, the opposite of a unicorn. Okay. So what is a cockroach, right? It is a, a creepy yeah. uh, worm that lives in dark corners, right? But it's a very frugal and very survival-oriented creature, right? They say it's the only creature that will survive a nuclear blast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Apparently, you can cut off the head and it'll still be alive for ten days. Wow. Okay. okay. That I did not know. Okay, uh, but yeah. So it's that resistant to death, right? So that's the kind of startup that will survive and thrive, right? People who don't have fancy foosball of uh, tables in their <laughs> office and sleeping pods, right? They're frugal. They every penny is looked at twice. They they keep a low profile. They they work and they make it happen, right? And I think the pandemic now teaches us that we need to adapt that mode in all all our lives right now. I think the next two years all about staying alive, because it's going to get worse. People are thinking the pandemic's over. It's not. It's going to get worse. It's a way of life now. Yeah. So you need to learn to live with it. You need to now really ask yourself: Do you really need all those 
luxuries, right? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of things that we thought of as was essential also is not. People hoard clothes, right? How many people used any of that in the last three months or seven months, right? So you know you can do with far less, right? Mm. And and I think that shift in thinking needs to come. I actually think the pandemic is a brilliant time to start new businesses, start new stuff. It it's a Actually, a lot of great things have been have started, uh, right? have happened only in times of difficulty, right? Right, a uh, lot of innovations, including modern medical science. Everything came during extreme stress, right? So I think it's just right, and and a lot of companies are going to shut now, and it's good it shuts because uh, it'll give space for better mm. innovation, innovations, and better run companies, right? Right. Uh, a lot of venture capitalists that I'm in touch with stopped doing new investments now because they're trying to save the old investments, right? Because those companies are struggling. Right. Maybe they need to cut the cord, you yeah. know, and cut their losses and say, okay, bad mistake, but let's learn and not put good money behind bad. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I, I mean, people were just hiring for no reason. You know, like I said, one job which one person could do, they've hired five people to do it, broken it down, you know, stupidity. And then, and then basically brought in five foosball tables to, <laughs> to keep them happy and engaged. Yeah. yeah. And and what you mentioned earlier also is, is such a key aspect of any business or just life in general. I mean, one aspect could be you uh, coming out successful. The opposite is not really failure, it's learning, right? I mean, if you come out of that looking at it as just in learning experience, I think you can always get back in the game and it's 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 easy for you I to... think it's essential to fail regularly, right? Yeah. Because sometimes you lose track of reality. It goes back to your sales story itself. Right, yeah. right. You need to stumble every now and then. It's like much before the lockdown, I, I was talking to an entrepreneur. We were exploring a position for me in his startup. So he asked me, which company do you think will survive in the next 20 years of those that are existing today? And I told him only the ones who are willing to reinvent themselves, right? Because if you look at the top 20 companies today, they didn't exist 20 years ago. There was no Google, there was no Facebook, there, there was most of these companies didn't exist, right? The smarter ones are the ones who will destroy themselves before somebody else comes and destroys, right? which is what I call unlearning, right? It is the first and the most important task. We all pick up stuff from everywhere, everybody we meet, all our lives we've, we've picked up stuff and we carry it with us and that makes our personality, right? Once in a while you need to do that cleansing. You need to eradicate everything you have and learn new stuff. Or else there's gonna be no space for new stuff because your previous experience, your biases, all of that will come, mm -hmm. right? that people don't do. Yeah. And then they wonder why things are not happening for them, right? Because they're doing the same thing and expecting different results, right? It's the same with companies. You did something, now it worked, great. But that doesn't mean it'll work forever. Yeah. So you need to reinvent yourself. I remember my first phone was a Nokia, right? It was the world's largest selling phone brand. On one ed edition of Time, the cover was Nokia. Phone was the oh, cover of Time magazine. Wow, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Today, where is Nokia? Right. 
it's not that it was bad technology it was not anything it's just that they stopped reinventing they thought they've cracked it mm -hmm. right now just keep manufacturing the same the same thing they didn't right. move right so we've seen in our life so many businesses that we were used to which if you would ask me 20 years ago would nokia go out of business i'll say impossible <laughs> right yeah. number one here it's like today asking will apple yeah. go out of business yeah. who knows right yeah. it depends on what the team at apple is doing today yeah. right how are they reinventing themselves to be ready for tomorrow yeah. it's like you're a football fan right yeah. who will score a goal the guy who's got the ball or the guy who's going to be where the ball is likely to come Right? right, you need to go where the ball is likely to come. You can't wait, stand here, and say, "Hit the yeah. ball to me, hit the ball to me." Right? You're not yeah. going to win. Yeah. Right? You have to run to where you know it's likely to go. Right. So where the world is headed, nobody knows. Right? Because things are changing so quickly. But right. it's changing because somebody is doing something. Right? Which means somebody is already saying, "I don't know where it's going, so let me try and steer it this way." Right. It's like Google, for instance. 2022 cookies will disappear. Out of Chrome, mm. right? They're already preparing. They're right. doing research. They're trying different. They're preparing for a cookie-free yeah, era, yeah. right? How many people are? Ninety-five percent of the businesses that are today surviving on tracking will disappear, mm. yeah. right? It's coming, but people are like, we'll cross the bridge when we get there. Right. There may be no bridge, <laughs> right? It's totally. So that reinventing yourself, how do organizations unlearn what they've learned? How do they destroy their existing business model? Are the ones that will survive and thrive and grow. Mm. They are going to be the next big companies. The ones who are stuck saying it's working, don't fix something that's not broken, will disappear because somebody else will come and break it for you. Right. Yeah. And if you, throughout history, blockbuster, Mm. Every business that you see, right? Kodak, and so many companies. Leaders, right? who were leaders. Who were leaders, point. right? Yeah. See, today you're using Nikons and stuff like that. How long can they survive? When your mobile phone can do everything yeah. better mm. than what you're doing, right? Yeah. It's easier to carry, it's more cheaper, it's, it's easier to maintain. It's a camera on you all the time. Right? Yeah. And it's evolving also. Right, the camera phone from last year to today changing, right? Everything is changing, right? So whether we like it or not, the devices around us are all becoming smart, right? Few years from now, you'll only have smart TV, smart refrigerators. Your refrigerator will order milk on its own. Your washing machine will order the detergent, uh, detergent on its own, right? Yeah. It's coming. Yeah, and. If you've been following, Amazon already launched a button that you can put on your yeah, uh, yeah. washing machine. I don't know if it's available in India, but no, 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 it'll yeah. automatically reorder. It tied and yeah, I've seen right? that, right? So it's coming, right? Uh, Google search, for example. How long will you think you'll type? You're going to say, Alexa, book my ticket, yeah, yeah. right? Alexa, what does this mean? Yeah. Or Siri, what does this mean? Or Google Assistant, what does this mean? It's coming. The future is that. Right. Today, a lot of my podcasts that I listen to, I just ask Alexa, yeah. play yeah. and it plays. Right. I don't need to go and search. Yeah. Right. So how many businesses are preparing for it? Right. Very few, because every business, I think, should have one innovation department. Right. Where they invest in experimentation. 
because the main team is busy running the business. They're fighting fires every day, right? And if you see all the successful companies today, Google, uh, Twitter, Facebook, all these guys have innovation teams. Right. They have entrepreneurs inside creating new businesses, new ideas. Not everything will take off. But one clicks. They are, they are mini VCs themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And those are the kind of companies that will survive. Right. And similarly with people, right? Companies, nothing but people, right? So who are the people who will survive? Right? Are guys who regularly reinvent themselves, who learn, who keep upskilling, who keep unlearning, who are prepared for being relevant in the future. Right. right. Otherwise, you're going to be a dinosaur. <laughs> right. Uh, so actually, another thought I had here was you talking about companies inventing or rather having an innovation department itself, right? What are your thoughts on these companies acquiring other companies? Because with, the, with an example like Facebook, they now have Oculus, they have Instagram, they have all these other, you know, basically subsidiaries or just other companies they've acquired and now it's a big umbrella. Is that a way to go? To That's a shorter cut to do it, but for that you need to have money. Money, right? right? If you have the money, then why build when you can buy? <laughs> buy. Right? Because... Somebody else has spent the time building it. If you like it, you can buy it. You get the team also and, and it works for you. But not everybody has that kind of money with them, right? Today, 90% uh, of all advertising spend is getting sucked by Google and Facebook. So they are cash rich companies, right? Mm. I, I remember when uh, in the early days, in my newspaper days, we used to talk about Times of India Light. Saying in their old office, they probably have gunny bags of cash, <laughs> right? Because they're minting so much money, right? right, right, right. So it's similar, right? Uh, there should be some bank somewhere in the world where who's telling Mark Zuckerberg, please don't deposit anymore. I have no place, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, please withdraw some yeah, money, right? Take it away. <laughs> yeah. So these high cash generating businesses can afford to do it. But if you don't have that kind of cash, right? If you're only going to do it on debt, then you're committing suicide, right? Because in the what most people forget is valuation, top line is vanity, right? Bottom line is sanity, but cash flow is reality. Businesses die because of cash flow issues, not because of anything else. So if you don't generate cash regularly, your business can't survive because you need to spend. Yeah. So if <coughs> large infrastructure companies, all of them are debt ridden. Why? Because they're not generating enough cash to even service the loan, right? Uh, banks are failing. Why? Because they're not able to get the money back from these uh, lenders, right? right? So the challenge is, if you don't have that money, then you need to be frugal, get into the cockroach mode, set up teams internally, get experts to come, help you build it, you know, tie up with universities, with institutions which give you academic brain power, co-create stuff, right? Mm. Collaborate and build. Right. Otherwise, you will die. Yeah. It's yeah. like Tata Motors now announced they are spinning off their car passenger vehicle business into a separate business and they're looking for partners, right? right. So, because it can't happen, you know? Right. It's pulling the whole organization down. Right. So that's the way forward and, and where we're headed is going to be demonstrated by this approach. Mm. 
which company is willing to accept that the market's changing. It's like Jeff Bezos is very famously known for writing to his employees saying, I don't know when Amazon will shut, right? So he's always asking the team to come up with what can we do to make ourselves relevant? How can we stay relevant? So he wants to destroy whatever can come and destroy him himself. Before allowing someone else to do that. Right? Which means he's always going to be one step ahead. Right. right. So if something is not right and somebody else is thinking Amazon is not doing this correctly, I can fix it. Some team internally is already thinking <laughs> that. Right. So businesses like that will survive. Right. Right. But if you don't have that vision, if you can't see, then you have a problem. Then you can be a small business, survive. Yeah. You, you can have a what you call lifestyle business, maintain a decent lifestyle with it. Right, right. But you can't run a business that will make an impact. Mm. Right. And uh, yeah, so actually coming to your book, uh, you mentioned I think pretty much everything of the adaptability, the lockdown and just uh, personal stress and tension and the suicides and all of that too. Is there any other particular reason why you got around to writing this? and? Is there anything, any other aspect that you'd like to talk about from the book? So why I wrote it, I already shared, yeah, yeah. right? What do I hope this book will do is get people to think, you know, take a breather, understand what is important, right? Uh, it's not just for people, like I said, it's for organizations too, right? How can they learn to reinvent their own game, right? Uh, I talk about introspection in the book and how important it is, right? Because there are a lot of hard questions we never ask ourselves, you know, and because we don't ask ourselves, we never act on them. So if we are so shy of facing the truth in our own lives, in a large organization, you have the anonymity of teams and departments, you're never going to ask those questions, mm. right? Which is why organizations die. Right? Because people don't want to ask the hard questions. People don't want to face the truth. They try to wish wash, mm -hmm. cover it up, you know, put the dust under the carpet and let's behave like it doesn't exist. But it's not going to help. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's the same with people. Right? If you ask people, 95% of the people know what they need to do, but they don't do it. Right? right? They all know what is important. But they don't do. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. And some of those questions they don't want to ask. They don't want for so many reasons. Right? Yeah. It's like now when when I was forcing some of the people in my building to take the COVID test, PBMP has come to my building, put up a camp, and they're doing free tests, which otherwise would cost you money. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to take the test because they're scared of the result. It it's so funny, right? Yeah. If you have it, you have it. If you don't have it, you don't have it. Just because you got to know it doesn't suddenly going to change anything, right? But that's how life people live their lives. They behave like something is not there and they think it's not there. Not going to happen, right? And, and that is, I think, the crucial thing that people and organizations need to do, mm -hmm. right? Especially leaders, right? It's like, if you ask me, the whole HR department should not exist. I think it's a redundant department. How can you outsource hiring? How can you outsource to another department? 
if you are a sales head you need to hire your sales people if you are the marketing guy you need to hire your marketing team if you are the technical guy you need to hire you hr can't hire right and if you can't work with your team what will hr come and solve the flows problem if you have an issue you should sit down and sort it out in your team right what will hr come and do if the ceo is not in touch with the ground force he was that means he is not in touch with reality right he doesn't know what his business is doing what is the realities his team is facing so how is he making decisions right so i think this whole hr function itself shouldn't be there that department shouldn't exist it's a waste of space they add zero value right <laughs> and what do they do we just lost a lot of hr viewers here but <laughs> no, doesn't matter no, <laughs> I, i i'm hoping you'll get some hate mail <laughs> right any visibility is good visibility yeah. right yeah but think about it right? right practically right you can't have departments just for the sake of department every manager should be a hr manager everybody should nurture his team every ceo should be equivalent to a hr it, it, it can't be a separate function mm. right if you are the head of the organization you are you have to play the hr role yourself yeah because people make your business right there are no people there's no business I've seen a lot of companies that have pretty much shot themselves in the foot because they have hired someone for as a you know a temporary fix or you know just let's just get someone who has the technical know-how, get them on board and they'll help us out and we need this. But they don't realize that that person is being hired to be a manager who has to work with other people. And like you said, you can't just be someone who has the technical skills or know-how. You just you can't you know liaise. You can't really interact with people and that. you know you don't see the issues then but you eventually when you have hired five of these kind of people it's basically you're setting yourself up for failure right see also why you scale uh, it's a very unfair thing to happen but sometimes the team that got you from 0 to 10 is not the team that will get you from 10 to 100 right right so a lot of times it looks cruel saying these guys were there mm. for you when you had nothing right but not all of them will have the skill set that will you need at a different level correct right and not all of them are ready to reinvent themselves exactly. also for it. in this lockdown a lot of organizations i know are shutting and letting people go we also let lots of people go in in, in many of our companies because not everybody is reskillable right because how do you do it because that earns interest should come from themselves right mm. and businesses should have the money to pay right right so that you know outlook that you know people talk a lot about culture they say culture relate strategy for breakfast and all those jazz <laughs> but culture is something that also has to evolve you can't say this is my culture right right i it's like i uh, have a chilled out atmosphere i have foosball table i have this people can do yes yeah, great but at times you need to change you have to move right you can't say this is how i am and this is how i'll always be right right yeah so yeah that adaptability is very important right i believe darwin's theory was not survival of the fittest i think he said the only species that will survive is the one that's most adaptable because change is constant and that's going to remain constant so if you don't evolve you will die on that note uh the fact that 
simply learning is just not enough because like you said you need time to think and introspect as well right because if you need to keep up with either your belief system or just be keep up with the game itself a lot of people think oh if i just listen to 100 podcast episodes or i read 10 20 books you know that's going to get me from point a to point b it and won't. that's yeah it won't because at the end of the day you're not giving yourself enough time to analyze introspect understand how to use this so i got into this uh, habit of uh, consuming and reading a lot of books so those words don't scare me <laughs> at least i've reached that point now because uh, up until last year i probably read about a book or two books on an average per year i'm talking you know now i've gotten this voracious reading habit and i'm reading uh, maybe a self help book in the morning i'm listening to an audio book and probably ending my day with a fiction book and all of that so that's great but initial days i was like i need to get to a point where i can quickly finish you know uh, maybe 10 books this year or 100 books this year because you see all these you know videos out there people are like i'm killing it i oh, do you want to know how i finish 50 books a year i'll i'll show you how that's great but you're not giving yourself enough time to understand how you can utilize what's in the book because you might have written this book from your i mean you obviously wrote it from your perspective but the way we look at it and the situation we are in is very very different from where you're coming from too so i think that introspection definitely goes a long way right you need to really sit down and let it sink uh, and and of late i've been uh, taking a lot of walks just on my own you know really allowing it to sink in uh, it's called i don't know people call it active meditation but whatever that's just again a jargon no one cares but if you can really be alone with your thoughts and think it through I think that goes a long way right i mean, i think that's see actually people have a misconception about what learning is right like i said the first step of learning is actually unlearning right which is where you first eradicate your thought process your belief system right and you're open to fresh learning right like you said uh, i come from a different point of view you come from that's of your belief system first you need to first remove that thought itself saying he has a different experience no what is he telling me right second input should always be one third of the output so if you reading in something you need to if you let's say spend one day to read you need to spend three days to understand it and practice it right see if you don't practice what you read it's no point reading yeah okay there is a japanese word i just can't recollect now which talks about people who is a, is a word for people who buy books and never read them okay I think they should also invent a book, uh, a word for people who read but never practice. It's the same. Yeah. Buying and keeping it and not reading, or buying and reading and not understanding and not practicing it is waste. I don't think you need to read a hundred books a year. You need to read a book a hundred times in a year. The same book. See, ninety-five percent people think, "Oh, this book I've read it." Go back and read it. You will see things you never saw the first time. Yeah. Or, like you said, spend three days really thinking about what you've read. even and afterwards right, no right. matter you read a book go back and read it after a few months you will learn something new of course right yeah. it is the same right it's it's like somebody said motivations like having a bath you need to do it every day right it's not like i did it once and i'm yeah good right similarly is learning right every book everything any book you take any which was the first self help book you ever read mm Contrary, maybe I don't know. I I'm not able to recollect. Rich Dad Poor Dad. Did you read? Not yet. Not okay. yet. Okay. Yeah. So uh, any book yeah, like yeah, that, you yeah. read. 
go back and read it again you will see different perspectives because your life experiences have changed you have changed yeah. you are not the same person you were yesterday right right so what read what you read one year back is gone yeah right there is a forgetting curve after a certain time you forget by default right? it's not right. unlearning though <laughs> you forgot it it's yeah, worse exactly. than unlearning yeah, exactly. right? yeah. so you have to relearn it right. right see the best way to remember anything is to teach because you learn you have to understand yeah. comprehend practice then only you can teach somebody else what's the feynman technique basically you you teach it to someone else and then you kind of you know learn it yeah, yourself yeah, right? right so i tell people don't bother about how many books you read you know it really doesn't matter how many books did you really read right and did you put one thing that you read into practice right that's what matters you can see i bought this book it talks about waking up at 4 but if you still wake up at 8 <laughs> it's worthless right yeah have you woken up at 4 and seen what it feels like right right that's important Absolutely. so if 10% is input 90% is output which is your reading is the small easy part <laughs> comprehend it understanding putting it to practice right. and then going back and reading and seeing what you're doing wrong right yeah. right that's important and i think 95% of the people don't get benefit from like this motivational videos and podcasts and all of that because of this reason mindless you're, consumption yeah you're right. driving you want to listen to some podcast you heard it right great that's it by the time you reach your destination you pull you gone you what's the point right. of it you could have listened to a music and at least yeah. hummed yeah. right so when i listen to a podcast while driving i pull over and i make notes make notes yeah right or i dictate it into a voice note because you know that is very essential right, right? so that is how you need to learn and mm-hmm. and if people re- go back and read just the books they have is enough for is them enough, to yeah. yeah they don't need to buy new books <laughs> right problem is they buy read it's a tick mark yeah. you know <laughs> i've done this yeah. right it's yeah. like a bucket list types right, right. i finished Right. You know, let's move to the next task. Pointless. Don't do it. This is not movie. It's not an entertainment. <laughs> right? There are people who watch the same movie 10 times, 20 times. They are not going to see any new result. <laughs> the end is not going to change. Right. Right? right? But in the book, every time you read, you learn something new. Right. Any book. Yeah. Because when you're reading, you cannot assimilate everything at one go. It's not possible. Right? there are people who make notes put stickers underline it go back to the worksheet yeah. all of that most people don't they just read mm-hmm. and i think this goes back to what you said about the education system being a little flawed right Correct. because everyone's doing basically that Correct. read and it's basically so that you can sit down give the exam and you pass get in, yeah you get the grades and that's pretty much it like which is why you don't use anything that you learn yeah i, I very honestly i i don't think i'm using i don't for the fact maybe apart from networking or the people you have you know connected with i can't think of a which today uh, there is linkedin there is yeah. facebook you don't need to go to school or college for that yeah right yeah. you can network yeah. anyways yeah again I, going back to that same talk i <laughs> no but uh, i had the student ask me hey how did you move industries because i was in it i was in tech how did you move into the food and beverage industry uh, So you just basically put yourself out there and you go and connect with people. So 
while it might seem like you have to have a, a proper conference or a meeting or such, you can just basically drop someone a note or drop a mail and you slowly build that connection and you have those resources available today. You don't need to what have formal setups and all that. Five degrees of separation. Yeah, correct. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we'll probably talk about how we can meet Obama and but no. <laughs> I think that was a hot topic, right? You maybe could. Yeah, I'm sure we have. Uh, you know, some link. Somewhere. Yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, this is great stuff, Darshan. And um, uh, we'll we'll figure out something in the book definitely, Ooh. and we'll uh, first read the book. We'll, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I will come back to you with notes and whatnot. I'll send you voice notes. Perfect. And uh, yeah, but uh, great stuff. Uh, I think that's a good place for us to end. Uh, wrap things up. I think we spoke about a lot of things anyway on the show. But uh, if there's one last thing that you'd like to put out there, and this is something I ask of all the guests. Read my book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's all I tell people. Right. You know, one thing I have to, uh, I, I do need to share is that people don't invest on themselves, right? And I don't understand why, right? They, they're willing to spend on clothes, they're willing to spend on uh, haircut, makeup, but they don't invest on refreshing their brain. I've heard excuses like, I'm not a reading type of person, you know, I generally don't read. So if you see the font size, okay, <laughs> so if you're somebody who gets scared of a book when you see it saying, oh, it's so much to read, you won't be. This can be finished in three hours, right? So I've tried to make it as user-friendly as possible, right? right? But people need to understand they need to reinvent themselves. They need to invest in themselves. It's not just this book or a podcast or anything, right? Mm -hmm. if, if somebody's tuning into your podcast, I'd already like to believe they've taken a step forward to learn something, right? Right. That is very essential, right? That is to be constant. You need to regularly keep reinventing yourself from what your belief system is. Right. Right. Your beliefs can't be constant. It has to, you have to detox. You have to shed your thinking, the way you think, the way you look at life regularly. And you need to keep allowing newer experiences, newer thoughts, newer truths to enter, right? Truth is the end of the day, just a perspective, right? right? But if you're stuck with your own version of truth and saying, this is it, right? It's like religious fanatism, right? Where people say, my God is only God, your God is not God, right? That's like saying, only my dentist is a dentist, your dentist is a God, right? Your dentist can't break yeah. your teeth. And your dentist is your brother, so. <laughs> Correct, right? So I'm saying, you need to be ready to accept all truths and open to seeing more truths. That's when you will evolve, right? right? And if they do that, they're going to be happy. And 95% of the people are unhappy because the past looks rosier than it actually was, right? Because they brushed it up, you know, it's like they see it through some filter and say, oh, those were the days. Those were not good days. Right? Those were just days. Those were just days. They were actually horrible days. We didn't have anything. I remember the first, we used to have dial-up, right? You used to hear it yeah. cry, cray, and then connect to the net. Yes, net. Before you could do anything, it's gone, right? Yeah. I remember days of trunk calls. If you had to call somebody... Uh, and you're talking, suddenly somebody will say, your time's up, which means somebody was listening to your call, right? <laughs> uh, we had tough days growing up, right? This is a great time. This is the best time, right? And people are scared of the future. 
you don't know if there is tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to wake up tomorrow morning, right? So that, if people get that straight, that then they're going to be happy people. Absolutely, yeah. Right. And I'd like to end with, people think if they get a lot of success, they will become happy. It's actually the other way around. If you are happy, you will become successful. Right. Because happy people attract success, luck, everything. If you're unhappy, you'll attract failure, rejection, all of that, right? So if you learn to be happy, you're going to be successful. Perfect. So yeah, if people are to find you online, where can they uh, look for? Darshanm.com. Perfect. All right, I think everyone should have that one place, you know, like one just rather than saying, oh, so it is, it is Darshan M something 77 at, uh, on Instagram. It is yeah. 27 on. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I think it's important to have that too. It kind of streamlines everything. But uh, yeah, Darshan, thank you so much cool. for Pleasure's uh, being online. here. And uh, yeah, this is just great stuff. And yeah, I think I keep telling this uh, or rather saying this to all my guests, but we'll definitely have you back. So again, I'm going to extend that to you too. And we'll definitely, you know, have you back. Once we hit that maybe 50 or 100 mark, probably have all the guests back again and see, hey, you were the same person you were earlier. Okay. So, yeah, you tell me now. Yeah. Sure. Cool. cool. All right. That was our show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you even received a semblance of benefit or you found any sort of value in this episode, then consider sharing the episode with your family or friends. Or like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, just simply share it over WhatsApp stories. It's a very simple way to get the word out there. All right. I'll talk to you guys in the next one. See ya. Bye-bye.